This is Stu Epperson from the Truth Talk podcast, connecting current events, pop culture, and theology. And we're so grateful for you that you've chosen the Truth Podcast Network. It's about to start in just a few seconds. Enjoy it, and please share it around with all your friends. Thanks for listening, and thanks for choosing the Truth Podcast Network. This is the Truth Network. Angela, how could you do this to us? Oh, right. Like, I'm responsible because I'm in charge of the party planning committee. Well, you are the one in charge. Don't blame me for something we all forgot. Uh, let's not blame her for something we all forgot. We deserve a Christmas party. Well, then why don't we just get some liquor and those mini cupcakes? Mini cupcakes? As in the mini version of regular cupcakes, which is already a mini version of cake? Honestly, where does it end with you people? Welcome to the Christian Car Guy Radio Show. I say this calls for action, and now, nip it in the bud. Nip it in the bud. You got to nip it in the bud. And, I mean, look at this place. The Army couldn't afford drapes. I mean, I'll be up at the crack of dawn here. And I have to tell you, I am, frankly, a little shocked. You're shocked? Yes. Why? This place is a sty. Today's Christian Car Guy show, where do you lodge? <laughs> do you lodge at the Murmurs Motel? Or, you know, I call that Hotel California because, you, you know, there's plenty of room at the Hotel California, I'm just telling you. And, of course, you can check out anytime you want, but you can never leave the Murmurs Motel. You just ask. Old Dathan there from Numbers, you know, when the ground opened up and he got swallowed. He got plenty of time in a hotel, California. <laughs> but the opposite, the other place you could possibly lodge when you look at this particular passage in, in the Old Testament is you could lodge at the Truster's Tabernacle. <laughs> and from what I understand, Bob, it's an infinite star resort, not five. <laughs> All the stars you could ever want, you you get those when you when you when you go to the Truster's Tabernacle. Just saying. Now, I don't know if you ever noticed, but I was just fascinated while I was on vacation, and of course you're thinking about where you're staying and all these things. I mean, and by the way, thank you for my wonderful, just amazing um, fill-in hosts. I heard some of those shenanigans; and they were awesome. <laughs> anyway, I, I loved it. So, but anyway, while I was just lodging all over the place, while I, and God just happened to take me to this interesting word. And, and so if you look up the word murmur, like, you know, when the Israelites were complaining because they didn't have any water. Murmur, 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 murmur. You know, they were, <laughs> well, that word in Hebrew is the exact same word as lodge. Like when you spend the night somewhere, you are literally murmuring. <laughs> the word is 
probably pronounced Lund, but anyway, it, it, if you look in, and I've got it at ChristianCarGuy.com, the Strong's number and all that, but I mean, literally, the word is the same. It's that word. And so then I thought, well, that's interesting, because even in English, you've probably heard people say that they were going to lodge a complaint. Now, as you begin to process that, and I've spent a lot of time on this word, and I've figured out all the philosophical reasons why these come together, but I'm not going to go into all that because it just confused, and I don't want to do that. I'm just going to say, let's look at the practical aspect of this. Like, I don't know if you're like me, but when you get upset and you and you check into the Murmur's Lodge, <laughs> the Murmur Motel, do you ever notice your brain starts running scripts? on why you should be upset and what you should tell people because you're so upset. If you like, you know, I should have told them this and I should have told them that, or, you know, are you going to every single time they do this, you know, and you, you get all these things that just run in your mind. And next time this comes up, this is exactly what I'm going to murmur <laughs> to them. <laughs> and, and, and so you can't help but think that there's something to this. I've taken up residence. I have, Checked in, but I, I don't know that I can leave this particular place. And and I think that's amazing. It was really amazing how quick I connected with what you were talking about on a personal level this morning. Uh, we have a new puppy at the house. And I, <laughs> I necessarily didn't, you know, not necessarily was I wanting a puppy, but uh, my lovely bride did. And um, I finally succumbed. And... Sometimes I find myself murmuring about the puppy and how much it's changed my life. But there's so much joy and there's a whole lot of positive aspects. And that's exactly where my mind went this morning when you first mentioned that. And uh, I must admit, I have murmured significantly about the puppy. All right. And here's a real practical car aspect of this that I guess most people wouldn't know unless they were Chrysler dealers. <laughs> <laughs> but I was a Chrysler dealer for some time, and and they had this thing called a lemon law, right? You're familiar with it, and and so if somebody continued to have some problem with a car, which might you could say they were murmuring. <laughs> well, you had to buy the thing back. I mean, that's what you had to do, even though it was fixed or whatever. After so many repair attempts, you had to buy it back, and so because I was. A, running a fairly large Chrysler store when we were here in Winston-Salem, we used to do this, you know, at least once or twice a month. And so when you buy these cars back, well, then eventually you've got to sell them to somebody else. And I always found it fascinating that never in the history, now the, when you sold it to the next person, it was greatly reduced in price, and they were told that it was a lemon, and they were told that this was, it was all disclosed. But I never, ever, not one time, and we're talking about selling two of these cars a month, I never, ever had the second owner complain about the things that the first owner had or even have one-sixteenth of the problems with the car. And so you couldn't help to come to the conclusion. Somebody bought a car they didn't really want or need? No, I think they had checked into the Murmur Hotel, and they didn't even know they did. You know, because how many times I'm not finding fault with the people. I do the same stuff, right? I get frustrated with a vacuum cleaner, or I get frustrated with the dish oh oh the septic tank while i was on vacation <laughs> at the place you were uh, staying no no at in my home. house you know the, the alarm's going off because the pump thing ain't working just oh man so you get the picture you get the picture of checking into the murmur motel so guess what god has another plan 
that I talked to you about, right? It's the truster's tabernacle. And so very interestingly, from my perspective anyway, the first time you find the word trust used the way that it's normally used in the Psalms and in the Bible is actually Boaz speaking to Ruth in the book of Ruth. And, you know, this is David's great-grandparents, right? And so when we see this, the Boaz is seeing what Ruth has done, hanging out with her mother-in-law and all that stuff, and coming back to Israel. And so Boaz says to Ruth, the Lord recompense you for with a full reward, the Lord God of Israel, under whose wings thou art come to trust. Now, when you look at that, she is going to a place, too. She's lodging. She's, she is lodging in a place of, I trust God with my septic tank. <laughs> I trust God with this limit. Whatever the situation is, she, is, she has found her place under the wings and this place of trust. And when you look at the word trust in Hebrew, as you might imagine I've done, it very much is a tabernacle. It's very much a place where you relate to God. So I want to share this fairly long story, but it so illustrates the point, and my hope is that when this fires off something in you where you remember where Jesus literally pulled you out of the murmurer's motel and put you into the truster's tabernacle, <laughs> and here's what happened. So you may know that in 1996, I had lymphoma cancer, and... It was pretty scary, and so we thought, you know, all those things were going to happen. The Lord healed me. But after my last chemotherapy treatment, we went on a Jeep Jamboree to celebrate. <laughs> and the last day of the Jeep Jamboree, I was getting a root beer from my son and at the back of the Jeep, and the person uphill from me had left their Jeep out of gear and it came down and crushed me, almost causing me to lose my left leg. And you may have heard me tell this story many times in the year I have, but I've never told much about the murmur motel that happened afterward <laughs> because the result. <clears throat> you had a little something to murmur about there, brother. The re <clears throat> yeah, the result was two years <clears throat> of one year of being in a wheelchair, but two years in being a, in a cast that was all the way up my leg to right up to the very top of my leg to the bottom of the leg. And so I actually ended up with my leg. I used to call it my save the children leg because it had no muscle. And when you looked at it, it was like, oh, it just all you could see were the bones, Bob, because it had sat there in that cast for two years because they really had to, I won't go into all those grody details, but the point was that I was in a wheelchair, but I was spent a great deal of time just in bed where I couldn't do anything. And anybody who knows me knows that Robbie can't sit around and do nothing. I had found myself straight in the Murmurers Hotel, and I'm going to tell you how God rescued me when we come back, and we want to hear your story, and get ready to call in at 866-348-7884, 866-34-TRUTH. We'll be right back. You're listening to The Truth Network and truthnetwork.com. Angela, how could you do this to us? Oh, right. Like, I'm responsible because I'm in charge of the party planning committee. Well, you are the one in charge. Don't blame me for something we all forgot. Uh, let's not blame her for something we all forgot. We deserve a Christmas party. Well, then why don't we just get some liquor and those mini cupcakes? Mini cupcakes? 
as in the mini version of regular cupcakes, which is already a mini version of cake? Honestly, where does it end with you people? All righty, are we staying today at the Christian Car Guys Murmurs Lodge? <laughs> Or the Trusters Tabernacle, which I understand is an infinite star resort. So <laughs> when we left our hero, and, and Bob asked me to explain some things, so apparently I didn't make it as clear as I could have. What had happened was back in those days, Jeeps had locking hubs, and we'd pulled over to the side of the road on a Jeep Jamboree, which is a whole bunch of Jeeps going off-road and outside of Asheville, North Carolina. And... We were on a hill when they did that. So most people would have engaged their emergency brake or at least put their car in park. But the person that was uphill from us unfortunately made that mistake where he didn't. And his Jeep went on, rolled down the hill, and crushed me between the two. And what made it worse was he had a tubular bumper and Jeep Wranglers had a flat bumper. So it was kind of like a, a ball and pestle on my fibular or tibular, whatever that thing, you know, because I don't even have the one bone anymore. They took that one and it went away and the other one was just pulverized. And so what they actually had to do was let it heal completely. And my leg kind of made a dog leg <laughs> to the right. And so they had to go in, take some bone out of my hip and re-break it and fix it. And all this process took two years in bed. Okay. Hmm. Um, in the middle of my career in the automobile business and all sorts of other things that were pressures at the time. And there I was. And believe me when I tell you, I was a baby Christian. I'd, I'd come to Christ in 93. I had, of course, survived the cancer, so I had everything to be thankful for. I survived the accident. I had everything to be thankful for. Yet, no doubt, I was a murmur <laughs> with all sorts of things that I could see where I wasn't trusting God with the outcome at the time. However, let me tell you about the rescue, Okay. And I don't take any credit for this whatsoever. He, it was his idea. He thought of it and he completely rescued me. And this is how he did it. While you're in bed, right, you watch a movie. So I watched the movie Braveheart. Ooh, strong. Right? Yeah, well, strong. it's particularly strong if your name's Robert Bruce, right? And, and so, man, this thing hit me right in the heart. And as I was just trying to express to God how cool I thought this movie was, he says, well, Robbie, I want you to write a screenplay. Sure, you know, I want you to write a screenplay. Well, I'm A, not a writer, B, not a screenplay writer. I'm a car dealer, okay? But this is, this is what God says. I want you to write a screenplay. And, and I want to base it on the full armor of God. So the screenplay that I began to write was called the full armor. Now, what God knew was that this was going to be some phenomenal time of intimacy with him because, number one, I didn't know how to write a screenplay, and number two, I had no storyline. And so I began to get the storyline from him, like, where are we going? What are we doing? You know, you're putting on the breastplate of righteousness. You're putting on the helmet of salvation, and you're doing all this. And this little boy in the story was being abused by his mother, actually. And... God was fixing him up with a full armor. It was a really cool storyline. And my young friend, Stu Epperson, who was in the time of his late 20s, used to come by my room in the hospital or either at my house, and he would read my screenplay. And he would just go, oh, man, Robbie, this is so cool. And I, it was very encouraging. But as God began to give, because I didn't have the storyline, you see, he knew that this would be essentially the trust tabernacle that I'm with him 
getting my next line of the story so that I wasn't doing nothing. I was writing. I, you know, I could use a laptop at the time, and I wrote this screenplay. Went and got the software, very fancy software to write a screenplay. And, and this thing was elaborate. And, and I, until I got out of bed, I probably wrote the first 80 pages of that and the entire storyline I got from him and Ephesians 6. And it was just a neat story. But during the time of the story, the little boy had become blind. And God said clearly to me, the little boy needs to be blind. He needs to be blinded by his mother's abuse. And I'm like, really? Why are we doing that? (laughs) He wouldn't tell me. Nor would he tell me the end of the story. And I knew I didn't have the end of the story, so I just kept asking him the end of the story. Well, right after the two-year process, I got out of the wheelchair in October of 2000, excuse me, 1997, they fired me (laughs) in December, right? Because they were just essentially waiting until I got out of all the medical stuff before they did what they were going to do, which was to bring the owner's nephew in to run the store. But I had, I had built this store. I thought this store was my, you know, I, I could go into great length of what that did to my heart. And so guess what? Now I had a new position of not being able to do anything because I didn't have a job anymore. And so I literally, I I went out into the woods and I would sit up in a tree and ask God what the rest of the story was. And when he revealed to me, I'll never ever forget it, you know, here's this young guy, why the little boy had to be blind because his own child was going to be trapped in a house that the power was out and a murderer was trying to get him. And because he was blind, he had an advantage in this house in order to save his own child from an abuser. I mean, it was like the, like I did not see the end of this story coming. It was like beyond beautiful. I was like, oh my goodness, look at this. I mean, it was so neat to see how God worked through this whole story. So, as you may know, I ended up with the Chrysler store in Moxville. You know, that, that that was, you know, God had a lot for me in my the car business career past what was going on there. But interestingly, when I got done with the screenplay, of course, I went through, I, I Googled everything you could do on how to get somebody to do a screenplay. Because this thing needed to be a movie, and it needed to be a like Hollywood movie, and it needed to have special effects and all sorts of stuff. And so... The idea was that you're supposed to find an agent and special agents that do screenplays. And the only way you would ever get this thing into a movie is you got to find an agent. And so I go through all this, you know, research to find the best agents in Hollywood and whatever. And I send them all out these letters. I told you this is going to be a long story. So when we come back, you're going to find out what happened with the agents because one agent actually wanted to read the screenplay. And I was couldn't be on more excited as I send my screenplay out to be read by Hollywood to see if my screenplay would someday become a movie. We'll hear the rest of that story, and I want to hear yours when we come back. 866-348-7884, 866-34-TRUTH. You're listening to The Truth Network and truthnetwork.com. And, I mean, look at this place. The Army couldn't afford drapes. I mean, I'll be up at the crack of dawn here. And I have to tell you, I am frankly a little shocked. Shocked. Yes. Why? This place is a sty. 
the Murmurers Motel, the Hotel California, today on the Christian Car Guy Show, or the Trusters Tabernacle. You have a choice. We all do on where we're going to lodge today, or in any given minute, we can choose to lodge any place. When we left our hero this time, he'd just been fired. <laughs> he didn't have a job. And so I, I had thought I you know, had a lot to murmur about, and I ran scripts, let me tell you, scripts were being running, but there was this other situation that I had this screenplay that had never been finished and God had started to outline to me what the, what the, what the actual storyline was supposed to be and, and why that this little boy had been blind in the story, which just, I, it was just a beautiful story. It, it was just a place where I had to trust God for the next line. Cause I didn't know what the story was. And, and so it was just a beautiful thing of innocent intimacy between me and him during a time where I was obviously going through a lot of stuff. Well, I send the screenplay off and, and when I sent the screenplay off, I put my official really cool name, <laughs> Robert Bruce Dillmore Jr. Okay. On the front of the screenplay. And I sent it off and to the to the agent, and I didn't really think much more about it because we were starting this new adventure with a new dealership, and I was doing all this stuff. Well, one day, not long, well, two months probably after I'd sent it out, I get this phone call. Is this Robert Bruce Dillmore Jr.? You know, I'm not used to anybody calling. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta have a clue who it might be. And my what? mind is just racing. Who would call me Robert? Oh, oh, and it hit me. It's my agent. <laughs> <laughs> I said, yes. And he said, well, I've read this screenplay, The Full Armor, and I have to tell you that it's the most disturbing piece of literature I have ever read. He said, I'm pretty sure it'd be burned, but at least it needs to be ripped up and thrown in the trash. Do you mind if I do that? <laughs> I'm not kidding you, Bob. This, was, this is exactly what this man said to me. <laughs> wow. He candy coated it a little there. <laughs> no, he did not. He did not. And so there I was, and I, I can remember, like, at the time I'd been studying Hezekiah when he, you know, just laid out all his complaints before God and laid him down there on, you know, what was going on. And so I just took that whole thing wrote it out what I was experiencing with the screenplay and what I'd experienced with all this and and just wrote it on and, and just gave it to God I said here you go I don't understand and and at the time I did not well did he explain what his beef was with your <laughs> screenplay oh, I knew what it was he clearly wasn't a Christian and I mean this thing was like loaded with stuff that you know he wasn't willing to deal with and and he, it was the full armor. It was like Ephesians 6, come to life. And this kid was being saved, and and he was finding his way, and, and he was disturbed. I get it. I'm fine with that, you know? And I, I just, so I wrote all that out and went on my car business trail that le eventually led to the Christian Car Guy show, okay? I would not have been able to see this if God hadn't showed it to me while I was on vacation, Okay. I now see something I did not see before. He had pulled me out of the Murmur Hotel, and he had me in a place for that, it was two and a half, three-year period of time where I was either in the hospital, I was wherever, and he had given me this project that he clearly had given me 
to work on to learn how to trust him in order to be a creative person. <clears throat> and so you may wonder that, it, you know, if, if you show up here at the station any Saturday morning somewhere early at 5 or 6 or 7 o'clock in the morning, you're going to see I'm here. Why am I here? Because God never gives me the end of the story. He never tells me what the show is completely about until Saturday morning. And so this morning I was here at the crack of dawn like Private Benjamin there because he had finally given me the last pieces of the puzzle. So what he was doing back then is he was training me how to be the Christian car guy, right? And, I, and by the way, I write screenplays all the time. I, the full armor is still sitting there, and someday it may be a Christian car guy theater episode. But think about how, the, how he's allowed me to enjoy being a screenplay writer, because I do it every, you know, every time you hear a Christian car guy theater episode, that's, that's what's going on. And guess who gives me the storyline? Of course, in the case of John Bunyan, he had it before I did. So the thing of it is, is while I was there, in intimacy with him, allowing, trusting him to give me the rest of the story, you see, he had rescued me from Hotel California, Bob. That's pretty amazing, brother. There's so many times in my life that, that God has rescued me. And uh, the thing that really comes to my mind is, is when he placed Lori in my life. And um, we met, and uh, we were seeing each other, and... She had two, uh, two boys, still does, <laughs> but uh, and I wasn't sure that I wanted to be hanging out with somebody. And I remember, oh, that little one's so little, and Jeremy's eight years younger than his, his older brother, and um, it's uh, it was just pretty. It was hard for me to understand, and I didn't really appreciate or or want that in my life. And I murmured about that, and so God pulled her out of my life really quick and gave me struggle after struggle after struggle uh, in my quest to, you know, find the right person. And then one day it became just crystal clear that, hey, God had placed a good woman in my life and I let her get away. And so my whole life became about getting her back. (laughs) And uh, that was a a very difficult thing, but um, he brought her back into my life and, and, I had the ultimate appreciation of her and the caliber of woman she was uh, from that point on. But I just thought, it, oh, it, you know, she's got kids and, and I don't need, but I had a son too. And they, they all three of them did very well together in, in the big picture. And, um, but it was just something that I had my mind set on that uh, it was for sure not for me because of, uh, you know the little ones, the extra kids, and everything, and and now, you know, with Rob being gone, I'm so grateful. And even before Jeremy and I have always been really close. Sean and I's relationship is at an all-time high right now, and uh, we've just, you know, we've built a great family unit. And I'm so grateful that God led me in that direction, especially after losing Rob. It just he prepared me, you know, I think the fire at work and everything was part of my preparation and trusting God and, and following him and letting him lead the way. Because after that, I didn't know what to do. I didn't have nothing but a big pile of ashes, a little bit of concrete and some people that was wanting to work and, and get paid at the end of the week, you know? 
And, uh, you know, I had plenty of chances to murmur then, but there was no time for murmuring at that time. You know, it was just try to figure out the best thing to do. And, and we prayed every morning. We prayed every afternoon before we left. And, uh, we started flying the Christian flag shortly after the, after the fire. And it was just an opportunity to trust and to check in at the, at the Truster Tabernacle. And, and if I hadn't, I can't say the result would have been anywhere near the same. Well, out of that time, there's a story that's definitely worth repeating, is I had, in the same time frame, you know, Bob had been on my show maybe a year and a half, two years at the point of the fire. And, and Bob had done a commercial about, how to be, how to use God as a mechanic. You remember that commercial? Oh yeah. For the church. Right. Yeah. You had done a commercial that ran under 109 new poets advertising, but it was about, you need to come to church because Jesus is the ultimate mechanic. And when you got a problem in your life, the master mechanic of right. life. So Bob had done this commercial and he did a YouTube video of it and he sent it to me. Well, coincidentally in God's timing, this was right after the fire. I had written an article, or I, I had actually copied an article about this guy who had this Packard that was, he had bought it when it was new, and he was the oldest living person of a car that was over so many years. I forget exactly what it was, but it was a pretty unique article on cars. And it had gotten picked up on, from my website over to Germany. This, yeah, Germany. This, this, this big blogger over in Germany picked up this article and sent a link to the Christian car guy. But rather than linking that article, he linked my website, which everybody came to Bob's mechanic commercial. <laughs> and there were millions of views of Bob's YouTube. And the reason was, was because people came to see this old car. What they got to see was God was their mechanic. I don't know who was supposed to get that message, Bob, but I'll never, ever, ever forget it. So... Murmur Hotel, we need your story. Call us right in. You're listening to The Truth Network and truthnetwork.com. There's not a place where I'll go. You've not already stood. When you don't move the mountains, I'm needing you to move. When you don't part the waters, I wish I could walk So we do have our choice, Bob, the Truster's Tabernacle. <clears throat> Brother, I want to thank you for bringing up that commercial. I, it had not even entered my mind that I did that years ago uh, in a really long time. And that was a very, very, very special time in my life. And uh, it, it's, it was really great for you to bring that up today. And I'm sure it wasn't your timing or anything. That, uh, no, you, you mentioned that. I just remembered the incident. I went. I've always thought that was just really wild that God pulled that off. But I, I need to mention that The Cure is coming up at 1 o'clock if you're on the Truth Network. If not, you can listen to The Cure on the podcast that they have. And they're going to have a cowboy preacher, Try Robertson, on there. It's going to be live, so you can call in and talk to the cowboy himself. A better life in tuned with the earth. That's all coming up today at 1 o'clock on the Truth Radio Network. But, you know, the thing I can't help but note, Bob, in all this, that it, when you think about it, the word 
trust in Hebrew. You know, I'm not going to try to spell it. But David used it 27 times in the song. The, the words used three times before David got a hold of it. And then he went on to use it twice in Second Samuel, and he used it 27 times in the Psalms. And so here's this word that obviously, if there was anybody who had a chance to murmur <laughs> when Saul was chasing him and all the shenanigans that he lived through, and, and you think about it, he clearly understood that, that God had rescued him. And, and if you think about it, my guess is God was giving him these songs to write. Just like he, he gives us different ways to find intimacy with him and whatever project that he gives us. And, and similarly, you know, in my life, when I think about those times, he rescued me by giving me a project of intimacy. Now, I once interviewed, not long after I, I started my full-time work in radio, I interviewed this missionary, and she had spent 10 years on her, her first 10 years in the field with her kids separated from her. She had to put them like in a, in a school for the, orf- I mean, for the missionary kids, witnessing to a tribe, and their first convert after all these years got murdered. And I looked at her, and I went, you're kidding me. Like, you went through all that, and then the, your convert got murdered, and I couldn't even do any more work with this tribe that you originally started out with? And she said, yeah, that's exactly what happened. But let me tell you, Robbie, those 10 years, God was training me so that when I went on to the next tribe, I knew exactly. And I've never forgotten that, but until this morning, I hadn't put it together that the reason why the, the screenplay thing was not about the screenplay. God had me write the screenplay to get me out of the murmur motel and to put wow. me into a place of trust with him and whatever. And he was training me for something that I would continue to value as one of my favorite things is waiting on God to finish the story. That's so amazing because, you know, the, the thing that you just mentioned, the commercial we did for Oak Forest, I'd got uh, asked to be on the evangelism committee and, and we'd been, you know, trying to reach out and, and trying to speak out for God. And one Sunday morning in church, it just really was laid on me heavy. And I have just 30 seconds ago, I remembered this part of it because I went home after church, went downstairs, and in 20 minutes, in one writing, you know, most of the time I have to tear up some stuff and wad it up and and murmur a little bit (laughs) but in one writing i wrote that commercial just it just flowed out you know and just do you go to church you know some people think they have to get their life straightened out before they can go to church but when your car's broke you don't you don't wait for it to fix itself you take it to a mechanic and i invited people to meet the master mechanic of life and this commercial was brought to you by uh, this message was brought to you by Oak Forest, and and it was just such a really, really, really strong thing. And, and I took it and showed, showed it to the people in the committee, and what do y'all think? And because of all the advertising we do, we'll be able to get a di- highly discounted rate. And there were some generous people at church and a couple of businesses that thought that message needed to go out, and it went out a lot. I mean, like. A, a lot and uh and, and it then, went out a lot of, <laughs> on the website yeah on the website and uh it was just 
I had forgotten so, I had so completely forgotten about that until you mentioned it a while ago and God's sitting here just thumping me and throwing bits and pieces (laughs) of it in my head, you know. uh, Well, he's thumping Clay in Raleigh. He's got a story. He's he's hung on forever for us. So, Clay, we got a couple minutes for you to share. What what have you got for us today? Well, brother, I won't say it's forever, but, you know, um, it's an interesting story. I'm not sure if I got to share this with you or anybody else, especially you. Um, I'm going to share part of the, you know, uh, uh, a deeper part of this tomorrow when I get to hear you preach, uh, when you head, make your, make your way this way tomorrow. But, um, several years ago, I went through something that I didn't expect to go through. And just so you know, it's more than a murmur. Uh, actually I, I get creative myself because I was thinking, okay, he's playing hotel California. Okay. It could be a hotel happening. Or it could be a, a, an awakening awareness because when certain things are going on with us, you know, at, at some point we get a, we're made awake and we're made aware of what's going on. So anyway, next week will be ten years ago that I um, it was experiencing something and I didn't know what to think. And I don't want to gross anybody out on the radio, but just imagine yourself going to the bathroom and being in there for a considerable amount of time, and it's a struggle. And after you're done, um, you recognize something that you've never seen before. Well, I had to go to see a doctor about this. And the long and the short story of this is that I um, have told people, and I truly believe that the Lord was in this as well. The doctors were, the nurses were, because, you know, I was not, I, I, you kind of remind me of me because, uh, you know, you, you're, you're, you like to be active, well, I like to be active, too, because, I mean, certain things that you need to get done. Well, because of what took place um, August of 2010, I was out of commission for eight months. And so what it was is that I had several procedures leading up to the major surgery that I was going to have. And the doctor that did the um, couple, uh, three of the procedures leading up to what was to happen um told me he separated his thumb and his index finger no more than like a quarter of an inch and said I was close to having the infection that I could have had uh, getting my colon wall. He pulled 27 polyps out of me, and one was 97% infected. The other was 93%. You only have about 30 seconds, so you got to get us to the point where you're okay. Okay. So, <laughs> Well, the interesting thing is, is, is that you, you're you made aware and the Lord brings you awake as to what happened in, in your life to realize, you know, because I was, uh, on, okay, make the, make, make the story complete. I was, I was separate your thumb to your index finger about a quarter of an inch. And that's how close I was to having colon cancer. And it made me aware and awake of the overall situation because you know god does have a plan path for our lives but sometimes we say well maybe not i don't need to be on it yet but when we you know the book of hebrews talks about that we drift fall or turn away from him and when that happens you know you're not sure what to think yeah but this made me we gotta go clay i'm sorry but thank you for sharing that that's awesome and we will see you tomorrow at Peace Church in Durham. So God bless. And we got to go. So, Bob, thank you for... Wow, thank you, brother. It's it's an eye-opener every time. 
And remember, slow down. Jesus walked everywhere he went. Got it all done in 33 years. And and don't forget the podcast is at ChristianCarGuy.com. So thank you for listening today. You're listening to The Truth Network and TruthNetwork.com.